0: Right to Be Read Podcast, Episode Number 79. Interview with Ryan Hanley. Are you struggling trying to figure out how to sell copies of your book, especially the first 100 copies? The Author Marketing Institute is offering access to their latest free video course called Selling the First 100 Copies of Your Book. This is the course everyone should have when they started publishing. It goes through all the basics from starting a mailing list to experimenting with different prices. If you follow the instructions in this course, you should be primed and ready to sell your first 100 copies, if not many more. Sign up for free at www.hub.com. Institute.com
1: You are listening to the Right to Be Read Podcast and this is your host, Annie Alexander.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Write to Be Read podcast, the podcast that inspires and encourages writers. I'm your host, Dani Alexander, and I truly hope that this week will be very productive, creative, and positive for you. As for me, I'm really, really busy and excited at the same time, because on March 20th, we are going to launch the Write to Be Read podcast, masterclass. And I, I'm preparing the materials now. I'm coming up with all the ideas that we will be covering to make sure that you end up knowing and learning absolutely everything that you need to know and end up with your published book in eight weeks. So for all the details, I don't want to lose uh, your precious time and uh, fill up too much of the podcast air for this. So if you are interested, just go to www.anniealexander.com slash masterclass, and you will get all the details in there. And now let's start the show. Hello, everyone. Uh, my today's guest is Ryan Hanley. He's is um, someone who helps brands and businesses find their audience, tell their story, and win the battle for attention online. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, I, I will do at least my best to get uh, everything that we need to know as an author brands about this. So hello and welcome to the show, Ryan.
1: I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: Thank you. So um, let's uh, let's just start with um, what you are actually doing now, and how did you choose uh, doing that? How did you come to that?
1: Oh, so I I uh, I'll give you the, the very short answer to that is uh, I am the VP of marketing for a company called TrustedChoice com, which helps uh, twenty two thousand independent insurance agencies across the United States uh, capture. Um, uh, attract, capture, and convert uh, inbound leads. So, um, you know, it's a about a forty person company, and and, uh, and and it's a it's a great opportunity, and that's what I do during the day. Uh, that hasn't always been what I've done. I was actually an insurance agent mm-hmm. for eight years, and before that, I worked for a couple large corporations, American Express, and a company, uh, a large accounting firm, uh, both in in New York City and. And I hated working for enormous, large corporations. I hated every second of it. Um, selling insurance was okay, but uh, I've always, I kind of eventually found marketing and writing and, and I fell in love with it. And, and now, uh, though I'm in a leadership role, it's still something I do every single day.
0: Well, it's so much more exciting than the corporate, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah, the company I'm with now is very much um a startup. We're in year 2 and and doing very well and uh it, it's it's fun to kind of mix the, the writing and the creating that i love with kind of the business aspects of, of just getting things done and and kind of playing at a larger level and and it affords me the opportunity to to learn and and kind of tell different stories um I've been writing for six years online about content marketing so I've told a lot of the stories and, and not that they couldn't be told again or in different ways but um you know I took this position back in august and and it's it's really helped me um, bring a whole new voice and, and set of, uh, of, uh, of stories that I can tell to my audience. And it's been really fantastic.
0: Mm, I see. So let's start from the very basics. For those who don't know, uh, please explain us what is content marketing itself?
1: So content marketing is... Is really just the process of of creating media uh, in the effort to add value to an audience. Um, out of that can come a lot of different things. It can come a revenue, obviously, is what a lot of companies use it for, or attention, or making friends, or building a community, or or really whatever your goal is. But uh, the core, and, and there's a lot of different ways that you can spin the definition of content marketing, but... At its core, it's creating media that adds value to an audience. Um, and when you take away things like, you know, free, you know, some people will say creating free content, or some people will say, well, uh, in an effort to to uh, drive revenue, and all those things are true, but they're true in different ways for different people. So uh, if you really boil the definition down, uh, and then you can fill in kind of the adjectives where they make sense for your business, but. Um, at its core, it's, it's creating some form of media, video, podcast like we're doing now, written content, images, uh, offline stuff. Uh, it's creating media to, to add value to an audience. Uh, and if you do that, then any of the things that you actually want are, are possible um, on the back end, any of the results.
0: Okay, I see. So, so the logic is that once you create value for your audience, you also create a, a relationship, and later on, most probably engagement, and all these, you know, amazing things that come with that.
1: Yeah, you know, it, it, and, and maybe we'll get into this more as we go. But, um, you know, my my under underlying core principles. Of, of writing, creating, of, of really anything that you do that involves uh, creating media, um, it, it all comes down to having, you're always building an audience. It's a culture of audience building. You are, you are never not building your audience. You don't write the book and then go try to find the audience. That would probably be the worst possible thing that you could do as an author, right? So so I know your audience is geared more towards authors, so I'll use them. Mm-hmm. We'll talk mm-hmm. in their context. Um, since I wrote my book, uh, I've had a lot of people reach out and say, um, you know, how did you go about it? What was your writing process? And, you know, I am, I am firmly okay saying the only reason that my book has had any of the success that it has is because of the fact that I spent five years building an audience. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I didn't, maybe at the time I didn't know that I was building an audience. It wasn't, I was like, I'm going to build an audience for five years and then write a book. Like, I'm not saying you have to wait that long, um, but I did over the course of five years just... You know, I wasn't a writer. I was a math major in college. Right, writing was like the last <laughs> thing that I could do. Um, but I, but but in my later, my mid to late twenties, I started to fall in love with it. And um, so I had this audience in place. So when when I decided that I wanted to write a book, all I had to do was was go to them and say, "This is my project. This is what I'm doing. If you would like to support me, then then here's how you do it." And the and people came out and they were there. Um, if I hadn't done that work up front, then I would never have known if it made sense. So uh, it really, you know, for, for aspiring authors, it's it's a you you build audience building into everything you do. Every tweet, every Facebook post, every every sentence that you write is about is about the audience, and mm-hmm. uh, and and if you do that, then they'll be there when you need them
0: yeah I see. well let's let's just uh, you know try to understand how did you end up deciding to write a book? Did you have this uh, request or demand from the audience you have already built? or you know how did you come to that idea that you want to write and complete a book?
1: So I felt a little like um, the ideas on my website, on my blog were were a little scattered. Um, I had written a lot of the concepts in because because everything for me is, is kind of, you know, around, um, you know, these these core principles of, of content marketing. And, uh, and I felt like there was there was a gap in the market. There are some amazing books in the kind of content in the content marketing space. Uh, content Rules is kind of the classic. Uh, Joe Polizzi just wrote a really great new book, um, Epic Content Marketing. And Hanley has some great books. Jay Barry's Utility. Great, great books. I felt like they were miss. I, I felt like they were the second step, right? They were addressing the second stage, the how do you do this stage.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: What I wanted to, to to address is the who, right? The the audience. So my book is really about audience building as much as it's about content marketing. So I saw this gap in the market and. I just said, you know, this is what I write about all the time. I have this growing uh, group of people who are connecting with me, asking questions, and all these questions, you know, I'm not getting the 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 questions about, you know, kind of really detailed tactics. I'm getting these kind of baseline audience building questions. So that must be what what the people who connect with me want to hear about. Mm-hmm. Um so so I just said there's a gap in the market. I I think I can fill it. I think that I'm the person to do that and I want to give it a try. So I did.
0: Okay, I see. And you you mentioned that uh, most of the things you had already partly covered in your blog, and I I've seen some. You know, I'm not gonna name anyone, but I've seen some terrible books where people just you know copy and paste their blog posts and 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 make a Kindle book out of it, and it doesn't flow well, and it it kind of you know it, it's not very readable, let's say. So how did you address that issue? And how did you actually made the blog, uh, you know, sound and feel like a book?
1: Yes. So I'm glad that you asked this question, because I'm right with you. I actually read a book uh, not too long ago by someone who would be considered like a, you know, you can't see me, but like an A-lister, in the kind of digital marketing space who did exactly that and i thought the book was horrendous um, and i won't name any names but so the so the the point is that you it's not just people who maybe are just beginning that are doing this a lot of people are doing it and i ca- i can't caution you enough against it it is it is a brand value killer so 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 here's how i did it uh, I I use my blog as like my testing zone, right? Mm-hmm. My work goes into, uh, went into my insurance agency and went into, you know, my the, my position now uh, at TrustedChoice.com and uh, our digital publication, Agency Nation, right? So my work is there. RyanHanley.com, my blog, is my testing ground and where I publish my results, res, you know, results uh based on hey i've done this for a while i'm seeing something work maybe you should give it a try right mm-hmm. so that's what i would use that for so it was not in any way a coherent uh a coherent narrative and it it just was a series of posts with ideas and 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 a lot of them were the same things i wanted to write about in the book but there was no way to piece this thing together so what i did was about 60% of the book is ideas that were taken from the blog but i completely rewrote Uh everything. Mm -hmm. So there was no copy. I mean, yes, I would probably start with the bones of a blog post. But then I that post had to flow. I mean, some of them were chopped up. Some of them I would only take a paragraph from some of them I would completely rewrite some of them I would literally just take a stat or a reference from and rewrite around it. Because the most important thing for me was that was that the book flowed. Mm-hmm. You know, I wanted there to be a natural story arc that that someone could get through. When you have that choppy blog post thing, yes, it's easy and it's simple and you can get a Kindle book up. But, and, and even if you sell a decent number of them, what you don't realize is that uh, unless you've completely set the expectation that this is just a series of blog posts, you are crushing your brand value because people are going to read it and go, this is horrifying to read. Um, so my, my opinion is that, yes, we can use our blog posts as part of our book, and, 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 and I, I almost recommend it because you get a, a chance to see in comments and shares which of your ideas people really resonate with. It's a really great place to test, mm-hmm. but when you eventually put your, your book, your story, your larger body of work together, that needs to be its own thing, and it should really flow, uh, and pay money for a copy editor. Yeah. Uh, or, or in a story <laughs> editor, it, you know, it, it is incredibly difficult to be both the creator and the editor. Uh, on a blog post level, it's doable. But on a larger book, you'll it, you will not have as good a product unless you pay someone for it
0: yeah exactly and then you know everyone should do what he's good at <laughs> so I don't really think that anyone everyone is good at both writing and editing and then you yeah. know <laughs> proofreading as well so it, it it all needs to be done in professional way in order to, yeah. at the end result to to get a professional book as, as a result yeah exactly so uh, you uh, you came up with your first draft and you had the you, you know the manuscript ready so you obviously hired an editor who made it you know even much better and polished so uh did you do anything meanwhile while you were still writing the book i mean did you create any anticipation among your audience which was already in place or uh how did you approach that stage of your yeah. writing
1: so I'll, I'll give everyone kind of a high level of the timeline for my book and the things that went on, and then we can kind of drill into that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had I probably had put, pieced my book together about 75% over the course of two years of, of writing on my blog, right? So I had the ideas, the concepts, some of the major stories, probably about 75% done. Mm-hmm. At that time, uh, because I decided I wanted this – this book to be as professionally done as you would get as if uh, Wiley or or you know Portfolio Penguin came in and and did it right. I wanted it to have crisp, clean cover design, hardcover, great interior layout, great copy and story editing. I wanted you to look at this and, except for an imprint, I wanted you to think that this was a professionally published book. That was mm-hmm. just that was the quality that I wanted to aspire to. So that being the case, uh, and 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 seeing that. That doing that in a self-publishing was, was probably going to cost me upwards of seven or eight thousand dollars when you when you
0: yeah.
1: take in the cost of producing hardcovers and shipping the hardcovers and cover design and all those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what I did was I actually ran a crowdfunding campaign on a on a uh, platform called Publishizer. Mm-hmm. So it's the mm-hmm. word published with i z e r rcom com. Yeah. Uh, run by game run by a guy by the name of Guy Vincent and. A guy was great, walked me through the process, and, and really helped me uh, be successful. So I ran a crowdfunding campaign, and in 21 days, I raised almost $11,000. And that, that was the, the financing for uh, what would ultimately be all the expenses that I talked about. So the crowdfunding campaign really served two purposes. One, it validated my idea for the book. So if someone was willing to pay something for something that didn't actually exist yet, then I knew that they were interested in the concepts. And I did a, I did a trailer video and I wrote a long um, kind of introduction out. And I actually, because I had so much of the book already written, I had my editor actually edit about 6,000 words before he edited the rest of the book so I could give that away as like a, here, read this. If mm-hmm. you're interested in this, you'll you'll want a personal book. So I gave every every people every opportunity to get a feel for what this thing would be, and um, and you know, the, and basically by them by by my audience coming forward and paying for this thing that didn't exist and supporting me. Some people paid uh, hundreds of dollars for multiple copies of the book. And again, these things don't. It doesn't even exist. It's really just six thousand edited words. There's all these other words that you know really have no shape or form. So so. Um you know, so it was incredible to to have them validate that idea. The other thing it did was activate this audience right now now they're invested in the success of this book because they they already purchased it so um you know, so I had them uh you know they're tweeting it and they're talking about it and doing little write ups about the crowdfunding campaign and uh over you know so as I was going through the book, then editing it so as soon as the crowdfunding campaign is over now it's like time to get down to business um one of the things I did to kind of stay, uh, keep consistent buzz about the book was every time I would write a quote that I thought had a little bit of juice, mm-hmm. I would um, create a little graphic and I would shoot it out through Instagram and then kind of auto publish to Twitter and Facebook. And then I would also publish it on Google. Plus. And, you know, just I would explain a little bit about uh, what the, what the quote, you know, what the context of the quote was and give people's feedback on it. And so over time, so through all these months as I'm writing this book, people are kind of seeing, hey, he's still working on it. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, they're getting kind of jacked up because they're seeing some of the concepts that are coming out and and some of the quotes and they're really interested in them. So uh, that was one that was kind of how I really kept the book going. I mean, there's a lot of different things you can do. I did a lot of interviews. You know, I wrote about it a lot. But um. But yeah, just kind of dripping out little quotes and graphics and just staying in front of people, just let them know, hey, he's still working and and, uh, and we have this thing coming.
0: Okay, I see. Well, you obviously had a large audience in place already after all those five years you worked towards that. Let's say if someone doesn't have such a large audience, so uh, they can't really raise so much money for for the book. Uh, What are they supposed to do? Uh, What steps they should take before they should actually start their crowdfunding campaign? Is there any way that they could kind of, you know, do things which will ensure that the campaign will be successful?
1: So you definitely want to set realistic goals. Um, 10,000 was a stretch. I was very pleasantly surprised that it happened, but the truth is only it took 147 people to fill that campaign. So you don't need an incredibly large audience to hit your goals. Um, I would say that uh, you know you could you could do if you didn't want to do a hardcover book, mm-hmm. right? So let's say you didn't want to do a hardcover book, you were going to do a, a soft cover and an ebook. Which a lot of people like the physical copy. I've actually sold more physical copies than eBooks. If you can oh, believe that. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So far, um, well, it's it's right around fifty fifty. It could be different today, but it's it's every day. It's right around fifty fifty. And I'm not ashamed to say that I check my sales every day. It's only been alive <laughs> for, t- for we, two weeks. So we all do that, that. <laughs> right? You know, you can't. Uh, but um, so. Uh, it only took 147 people backing it to hit 10 grand. So what I I would say that for 5,000 bucks, you could very legitimately hire a copy editor, get a good cover designer, and get an interior designer. And if you did those three things, you would have a very well laid out book. So a professional cover design, a professionally set, Interior to your book, so that means making sure it fits Kindle and and uh, and the, then the hardcover copy or the, the the physical version. You know, there's different formats for the interior, and you want to make sure that those all look nice. If you're just using a Word document, they can come out kind of weird. Um, if anybody reads the the physical copy of my book, the soft cover uh, or the the hardcovers when they come out in a, in a couple weeks, um, you'll see that. Like the numbers, I put the page numbers are like on the side of the page, not in kind of the traditional bottom or top. And, you know, we did a couple little different things just to make, give the book its own unique feel. And if you don't have a professional um, company doing that for you, then there's there's no way to get that done. Um, so I would say that you don't need a huge audience. It may feel like you do, but but think about, if you know, if you're considering crowdfunding, think about... How many people do you actually have? How many newsletter subscribers do you have? Do you have a couple hundred people? Are they really invested in you? Um if they are, then you may only need 50 or 60 people to hit your goals. Uh, and 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 you know if you break it down that way and think about it, you don't necessarily need a large audience to have them support your project if they really believe in you. But uh, to get a little more tactical, I would say Create if you're, if you're considering writing a book, a great way to get early support is uh, maybe just take a chapter or, or one page, 500 words that really describes what your book is and gives some people some value and, and ask people to opt in to, like a, to a newsletter list, an email list that, that what you're saying is, if you opt into this list, it's okay for me to, to message you about this book when things start to happen. Mm-hmm. So you're being very upfront with them. This is what's going to happen if you uh, if you opt into this list. But I'm going to give you value and blah 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 and all that stuff. And you know you got to build your value proposition. But I built a list of about 350 people before the crowdfunding campaign, and a large number of those people the reason that the book funded. So I had 350 people say I am okay with you marketing to me, mm-hmm. and that was that's what I would do is is build a list. And when you hit 100 or you hit 150, whatever you think that number is then you know you're ready. Um, for me, it was around 350, 340 something um, when I launched.
0: Mm-hmm, I see. So we can conclude that the important thing is the quality of the relationship and not the uh, number of your uh, email list.
1: Yes. If you have 100 people that are really invested in you and, and, and what you're doing in your project, that's enough to run a crowdfunding campaign.
0: Okay, I see. And, you
1: know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't, you could have 50 people. If, if you know that those 50 people love your work and are all going to come forward, that's fine. It's, it's it's less about the number and more about, it's less about the sheer number, and it's more about the number of people that really believe in what you're trying to do. Um, you know, that, that's, so, so don't get overwhelmed by, oh, well, this person has 50,000 followers on Twitter, and that's how they got their book Published because they might only have a thousand people that actually care what they're saying right there's a lot of ways to game those numbers so don't get you know for people listening don't get overwhelmed or or discouraged by by sheer numbers and think more about how many people are really invested in what you're doing those are the people who are who are sending you emails or facebooking you or 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 whatever tools you use um you know you can get a feel for what that audience is and those are the people that are going to come forward when when you ask them for money
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I see. So when the crowdfunding campaign was uh, completed, and you had the idea validated, and you had already a certain number of uh, books sold. uh, So uh, what happened next? I mean, how how is the procedure like, you know, okay, you you set it up, the campaign is launched, it finishes. And what happens next, usually?
1: So uh, what happens next was it was time to get to work. You know, I had to (laughs) I had to try to make this thing real, you know, because now I had uh, 147 people who were, you know, who basically were counting on me. They had already given me their money. They were counting on me to, to produce this thing. Um, I would say this, it became, it was much, writing a book is very difficult. Uh, <laughs> having never done it before, I was unaware of the timetable. I had in my head about two and a half months that I would take me to finish the book, considering I was about seventy five percent done uh-huh. and it took me it took me almost six uh about five and um like I said, I got the book out two weeks ago, so my my audience has been very patient. I thank them for that. It, it was not a perfect process on my standpoint, mostly because I didn't have time budgeted properly, uh-huh. but um it you know it was just for me it was so I didn't uh deliver my entire book to my editor. what I said to my editor was. As I write sections, I'm going to send them to you, mm-hmm. and then you edit them, send them back, and then I will send you the whole final version, and you take a one one more through, and then we'll be done. And that's how we did it. So as I would finish a section, I would send it to them, and I'd get working on the next session. Uh, so, we, so they weren't just waiting for the end, because that would have taken up more time at the end. This way, we were... Um, you know, When I got them the final edited version, they had almost edited everything already uh-huh. and I had made corrections uh-huh. on a lot of it. So that helped the process go a little faster and and it's one thing. If you have an editor who's willing to do that, I would consider that. Not every editor will be willing to do that because they're not getting the whole story in yeah, one I shot. Yeah, I can and-
0: imagine. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So it all depends on how your editor is willing to work. And thankfully mine was willing to do that. Uh, it was actually a husband and wife and they were, they were fantastic, but, uh, yeah. So, so just (laughs) getting the book done once it was done, um, figuring out getting it actually fulfilled was a whole nother, a whole nother, uh, step, but, uh, but you know, getting a Kindle book out is pretty easy. You know, once you have the file format and a cover that that's, Fairly straightforward. And create space, um, the soft cover uh book publishing that Amazon does is actually very e- I found that very easy to use yes, as well.
0: Yes. It yes. was
1: the fulfillment of the hardcover that uh, made me want to put my head through a wall, uh, which I almost <laughs> did a couple of times. That was that was incredibly difficult. But uh,
0: Well, I mean you you took a, a big challenge there, so you know you had to pay for that.
1: Oh, I know. Well, I, I sh- ended up uh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean no, to interrupt okay. you. Go ahead.
0: No, 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 go ahead.
1: I was gonna say I, I ended up using a company. I um, mean, this is you know the, called BookBaby, and there's a bunch of them. Yeah, but BookBaby.com uh-huh. is who I ended up going with because uh, they do print-on-demand hardcovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're actually a little more expensive on a per-book basis, but they allow you to do print-on-demand to all the major publishing houses. So in about a week, hopefully, if everything goes smooth, which it has been so far. Um, on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, all the major book um distribution platforms, uh, I'll have a hardcover version that they'll do print on demand. So you like you buy it through Barnes and Noble and then Book Baby actually prints it and ships it out, which is really, really nice if you have a hardcover. And there's not a lot of companies that do that for self-published authors. So I, that's why I decided to go with them. But uh mm-hmm. it's it's uh you know, a whole different file format, whole different cover design. There's you know just just a, a million things that go into it, but yeah.
0: And now when I'm thinking about this, what what you told me about uh, you writing uh, uh, the book actually after the campaign is over and that it took you longer, I was just wondering that maybe the crowdfunding itself is a very good accountability tool because you 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 know okay. you end up being responsible for completing the book. And if it wasn't in place, maybe you would kind of, you know, once you had difficult times or struggles, you would be to give up yep yeah interesting I mean I I never thought uh, about that from that yeah so
1: there is no greater motivation than having someone who paid you money email you like hey did your book come out yet did I miss (laughs) it and you're like oh like I've just you know and I had tried to like email people but you know people miss emails and they don't get them so I tried to like email all the contributors but um you know, you're so focused on getting the book done. And, you know, I have this job, which has a lot of stress up itself. So I'm like up at 4am writing to six, then my one year old kid gets up, got to get him ready, you know, you know, say goodbye to my wife, go to work, do my real job, then come home, hang out with the family for a little bit, then go back to work at night, you know, so uh, it was very, very stressful uh, for a while trying to get this done. Um,
0: Yeah, well, it it is, but I I would like to just, you know, stress this uh, so so people can hear this once again. I'm getting... Many complaints from people saying that they don't have time, yep. and uh, periodically during my interviews, I end up having guests which prove the opposite—that you know they are most probably, uh, you know, have more in- uh, responsibilities and less time, but they still manage to do things. So you know, I ju- just just um, asking for for them to pay attention and see how m- <laughs> you know yeah. how, how many struggles you had, but you still made it anyway.
1: You know, that's a really good point. Um, you know, I, I, hate to be harsh, but, but I think that the reality of it is, um, you either find time or make you are never going to find time. You either make time or you just don't want to write a book that badly. It's, you know what I mean? People yeah. who say, I really want to write a book, but I don't have time. It's like, then you don't really want to write a book. And that may sound really harsh. And I apologize to people for how harsh that sounds, but that's the truth. Like, i There are many people like me, but I have as little time as you can possibly imagine because i actually- i have seven employees that report to me like I have a fairly stressful full time job that m- forces me to travel around the country twice a month, and I have a fifteen month old son so and I have a wife you know saying so, and I have bills and it's like so and i 'm not saying that to to about myself but there's a lot of people that have written books in that same situation it's more the people who make the excuse of not having you're never going to have time ever there will never be this shining moment where all of a sudden you have eight hours a day to crush your book that's never going to happen so you either make time because you really want to write a book you want that to be part of your life and you want to experience that or you don't but you know people don't buy the fact that you don't have time it's just not true
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I've came to the same conclusion, basically. And, you know, I've got many, many examples like yours where I see people who you think are overwhelmed with with everything happening, but they still manage to to do amazing things like writing and completing the book. So uh, actually, okay, you launched two weeks ago. And I, I want you to relieve that moment. I mean, how does one, it's your first book, right?
1: Yes, first book. Yep.
0: Okay, so how does a person, I mean, I know, because I've been there, but just, uh, you know, share your experiences. How did you feel about that? Like you, you did one of the biggest fears that people um, face, uh, because many writers say that the scariest moment is pushing that publish button. So you actually publish pushed that button and what happened next? I mean, were you kind of checking your stats every moment? Or you know, what <laughs> yeah. what did you do?
1: Yeah, so definitely checking my stats. I can't help myself. Every day the last thing I do, I've trained myself where I don't look until the end of the day and I look once uh-huh. and I give myself that little bit of like, oh crap, I wish I sold more today, or oh today was a really great day. And then I try to figure out why that happened. Um Because, you know, book promotion for me is a slow, very slow process because because I do I have the full time job. Right. So Mm -hmm. I did not launch this thing with expectations that like on day one, it would be uh, a bestseller. I would I'm going to get there someday. I believe that. But it's going to be a slow burn for me. It's just the way it's just what I had the reality of my situation. And I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, But I do. I do check. I would say that it was less elation and more relief when i hit publish i just i was feeling the pressure of 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 it taking so long to get this thing to the people who had supported me that that i it was relief to not have that pressure anymore to be able to send it out the actual publishing because i had written about so many of the comp, uh the uh, because i had written about the the concepts for so long on my blog and in my you know in newsletters and on social media and i'd done interviews about the concepts over and over and over again I, you know, I didn't, I wasn't scared that, I wasn't scared about hitting publish. You know, I've kind of, I've dealt with haters. I've dealt with people disagreeing with me from being, you know, kind of public with my work for so long that I don't know if I get a bad review, which I don't think I have any yet. um, You know, whatever. It it, it literally doesn't even bother me. I, I gave this book everything that I have. It is, it is a piece of me. And if you don't like it, then, you know, that I'm sorry that you purchased it and you didn't like it. But, I, you know, I think that this is my best work and it's just the way it is. I can't I can't get too broken up about people that don't agree with me.
0: Mm-hmm, I see. So what are your plans? I mean, usually, it, it's very kind of, you know, uh, nice and uh, easy once you've done everything right to to end up with a certain number of sales in, from the very beginning. But uh, how are you planning to keep the ongoing sales and to kind of uh, promote the book on the, let's say, standard period of, of its life?
1: Yeah. So a big part of it is so, you know, so one thing with crowdfunding is you got to remember you're losing, losing. Your core audience has already bought the book, mm-hmm. right? So on day one, I had, you know, a certain number of sales and I had to realize that I had actually already sold 300 copies of the book before before day one. Right. Mm -hmm. So unfortunately that doesn't get pushed into Amazon. So I don't get pushed up the rankings, which is part of the reason why, you know, I didn't, I wasn't an Amazon bestseller on day one and I wasn't terribly broken up about it because all the people or a large portion of the people that would have bought the book on day one, at least a significant portion of them, um, Mm -hmm. had already bought, right? Like they're not going to buy it again. So they already had a copy and, um, you know, so that, so that's part of it. So you got to buy You got to build that in. You know, I would say if you don't need to crowdfund, I, I wouldn't, you know, just so people understand that, uh, you know, you have to if you're crowdfunding, you have to sell the book twice. You have to sell the book once as a crowdfunding campaign. And then again, when you launch incredibly difficult to do, uh, I think if I were to do this whole process again, I would just pay out of pocket. Mm-hmm. and 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 launch once and not not do a crowdfunding campaign but the crowdfunding campaign was amazing i'm not going to discourage anybody from doing that and it is a great way to finance your book for all the reasons that we that we talked about but um so my my goals moving forward uh i have a couple really good articles coming out um hopefully uh they'll be out soon um you know people who did stories about me uh couple, you know, I'm constantly doing interviews, uh, trying to do a lot of guest posts. And to be honest with you, my plan is really just those three th- things. Um, try to get store, you know, talking about the crowdfunding, talking about the book and its concepts. And, and uh, it's trying to get some articles written doing guest posts and doing interviews. And, uh, you know, the, the sales are accumulating and, and they continue to go up. And uh, it's been, it's been good. It's just a kind of slow process as far as is getting there. But
0: I'm completely cool with that. Well, actually, it's it's a slow process, but it's a, a long term. Uh, wise, it's a very effective thing what you're doing right now because you're ending up tapping into new audiences, yep. which may become later on a part of your audience later on. So it's, it's it's also part of growing audience as you mentioned from from, you know, day one and and you compete Continue doing it for um, for this book and uh, maybe the next one. Are, are you planning to to write again, or once you realized how hard it is, <laughs> you, you won't be doing it anymore?
1: Um, no, I definitely want to write another book. I really want to dive into the uh, into the like psychology of an audience and why people uh, why people connect with certain individuals and and I have some initial notes down. I, I don't think I'll be doing anything. Anytime soon, uh, only because uh, I think my wife would possibly divorce me if I <laughs> was going through that again. But um, but yeah, I, I think in a, in a in a year or two, maybe uh, maybe a little longer, we'll see. Uh, I definitely have uh, some ideas for for a follow up, and and I most certainly will write again. I mean, I continue to write every single day, and and talking about the concepts and and stuff. And you know, I'm doing the same things again. You know, the what I'm interested now, I'm writing about and. Um, and just, it's just a never-ending process, you know. Mm-hmm. Building an audience, serving an audience, trying to provide value to them every day is 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 part of kind of just who I am and, and my work. And it's not like, oh, I'm in book mode, so I do this. It's, uh, yeah.
0: It's more. Yeah,
1: it's it's more just part of part of the deal. It's an everyday thing.
0: Okay, so if we try to wrap this up, um, let's say if you go back and start all over again, which would be the the things that you wouldn't do because you think that, you know, those were not exactly the way that were supposed to be? And which were the most effective things that you would actually uh, do uh, again because you think they worked perfectly well?
1: Gotcha. So if I could do it all again, I would have the book I would have gotten the book closer to being done, like almost almost done done mm-hmm. um, before I started the crowdfunding campaign. Um, and because if I could have run, I think that the whole process would have been less stressful and easier to manage and just easier for things to flow. If I could have run uh, the crowd the, the actual release of the book you know, a month or maybe two after the crowdfunding campaign finished, there was a, you know, like there was about a five and a half month gap in there. And I do think that there was some momentum lost. Um, Not that can't that can't be recaptured, but you know, it just, it took me more work on the actual launch of the book to get people talking about it again. When directly after the crowdfunding campaign, I mean, my email was constantly full. I was constantly having people reach out to me and, and, and it was fantastic. And to be able to just have brought that buzz right into the release of the book mm-hmm. probably would have been a best case scenario. So uh, that's probably what I would have changed. Um, what I would have done the same is I would have gone as professional as I did. I would never have discounted the, uh, I mean, this is a very good work product. It is, it is, um, well edited. It's well structured. It looks nice. It's presented nice. The cover design is exactly what I wanted. I had Mars Dorian do the cover. So very unique cover for a business book and, um, it, I'm just very proud of the product and I would never have discount. I would never have done anything to to make it less than that. I would never have edited it myself or just had, you know, my wife's journalism. uh, She has her master's in journalism and she took like a first pass. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if if she was the only one editing it, it still wouldn't be as good as it is today because she's not a story designer. And, um, you know, so I definitely would have gone as professional as I did. That's one thing I'm very proud of.
0: Okay. And you know what I realized, like very interesting point, but <laughs> I realized that we never mentioned the name of your book, actually.
1: <laughs> yes. So the book is Content Warfare, How to Find Your Audience, Tell Your Story and Win the Battle for Attention Online. And uh, if you if you want it, you can go to contentwarfarebook.com or just go to Amazon and search Content Warfare, you'll find it. And, uh, you know, if you're choosing between Kindle and the paperback, I know the paperback is like two dollars more than the kindle but the holding the physical version of this book in your hand i think you really get a feel for the interior design and uh and i think you'll appreciate it
0: okay i see and your website where people can find you
1: ryanhanley.com you'll get everything you need to know podcast articles you can connect with me um, Google+, Facebook, I'm on those a lot. So you can connect me in those spaces and I'm happy to answer any questions that people have after
0: the show. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think that authors do need to know uh, a lot about content marketing <laughs> and, <laughs> and to use it because they are in a position where uh, they could create a lot of good content, at least a written one for sure. So I think uh, they they should find out how to use that content in, in their best um, way in order to build audience and get more readers later on. Well, thank you very much for coming over. I really appreciate your time. I think thanks a lot. And I enjoyed the interview.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on.
0: That was it for today. I truly hope that the interview provided value since the content marketing as we realized is creating content with the aim of providing value to your audience. Well, uh, take care, uh, keep writing, uh, come up with great books, find your ideal readers. And uh, thank you once again for listening to the show. If you have just one minute and would like to help me out, please leave a review on iTunes for the podcast because I love those reviews. They make my day, they boost my self-esteem and they motivate me to carry on providing new episodes for you. Have a nice week and keep creating. Are you struggling trying to figure out how to sell copies of your book, especially the first 100 copies? The Author Marketing Institute is offering access to their latest free video course called Selling the First 100 Copies of Your Book. This is the course everyone should have when they started publishing. It goes through all the basics from starting a mailing list to experimenting with different prices. If you follow the instructions in this course, you should be primed and ready to sell your first 100 copies, if not many more. Sign up for free at www.authormarketinginstitute.com
1: you are listening to the right to be read podcast
0: and this is your host ani alexander